Good morning everyone. I hope you're all okay. My message today is a bit of a segue between the series we've just finished on prayer and the Lord's Prayer and our new one looking at heroes. Um, it's a segue because it overlaps both quite nicely. Today's heroes are the psalmists and the psalms are full of prayer. I loved Delia's message last week about working from home as a gap filler, praying where God leads and standing in that space between what's happening around us and the truths we hold on to in God's promises. Today's talk it stands in that same place, but we're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. I've called it Closing the Gap, and we are going to be looking at the practice of lamentation and using the Psalms as our guide. The dictionary defines lament as feeling or expressing sorrow or grief. It's not really a word we use much anymore, and it's also not a prayer practice that we see in the church very often. We are more likely to dismiss our emotions or distract ourselves from feeling them with activity or sometimes even pretend that they don't exist at all. When difficult circumstances cut into our lives, many of us will seek different saviours to rescue us. We'll look to work or food or music or books or even craft. In fact, anything to avoid the pain and heartache of disappointment that we might feel. The temptation is to say that we're fine and attempt to move on. Of course, a lot of the time we are okay and circumstances come our way and God's grace carries us through them. But sometimes that journey in itself is not easy. Biblical lamentation is a prayer for help coming out of pain and disappointment and it's very common in the Bible. From the cries of Job and Habakkuk to the entire book of Lamentations, even Jesus in Gethsemane lamented when he quoted Psalm 22. You know, the psalmist left us with a series of prayers and songs that touch most aspects of our lives. We can find praise and worship, we find rejoicing and celebration, and we also find confusion and doubt. But in around 50 of the Psalms, we find lament, that prayer which focuses on processing our circumstances with God. The psalmist makes it clear that God both hears us and wants to speak to us in return. And in this way, the, the psalms themselves can be a launch pad into our own prayer life. When we feel blessed in life, we feel compelled to turn to God with praise and worship and thanksgiving. When we're in the midst of trials of pain, we turn and we ask God for help. We put our trust in him and we wait expectantly. But what happens when we are faced with the gap, that distance between what we were hoping for, what we experience and what God's promises are? What do we do when we look at our world and we see the reality of poverty or abuse or the COVID-19 crisis? 
how do we cope when we look at our broken world and know that we have no means of fixing it? How can our faith and our hope survive intact if we stand on one side of this chasm and God's promises are stranded on the other side? Do we turn away from them? Do we start saying, oh no, they're for another time? Do we start rationalising and denying the disappointment and pain that we feel? Or do we dare to step into that gap and cry out as the psalmist did? Oh God, I cry out by day and you do not answer by night and there's no relief in me. Mark Frogop in his book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy says, you might think lament is the opposite of praise. It isn't. Instead, lament is a path to praise of we are led through our brokenness and disappointment. The space between brokenness and God's mercy is where this song is sung. Think of lament as the transition between pain and promise. Before my children were born, I had a series of miscarriages. And the pain of that disappointment was so acute that it almost destroyed me. And I can remember one day looking out of the front window of my little terraced house in Leeds and seeing two girls that I taught. Both were heavily pregnant with frankly unwanted and unexpected pregnancies. And I raged at God over the injustice of it all. Why should their babies survive and not mine? It was an awful but heartfelt cry of despair. But it was in that moment of being real with God, in that moment of stepping into the gap, desperate for God to just say anything, that I began to heal. And I can remember dancing and worshipping God with tears streaming down my face. And I learnt that he would never be offended by my articulated pain or disappointment that he would hold me firm in the torrent of my despair. The Psalms are full of such cries. Lament enables us to draw close to God and articulate our deepest griefs and our flickering hopes. It is a gift from God to us and then through us to the world in its suffering. The lament is more than just crying out, though that can be part of it. It's more than complaining, but again, that's part of it. It's more than the expression or the venting of emotion. Lament talks to God about pain and disappointment, about injustice. It is praying in a minor key and it has a unique purpose. And its purpose is to lead us back into trust. It is divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, our frustrations and our sorrows for the purpose of helping to renew our confidence in God. John Swinton in Raging with Compassion writes, Lament is a very particular form of prayer that is not content with soothing platitudes 
or images of a God who will listen only to voices that appease and compliment. Lament takes the brokenness of human experience into the heart of God and demands that God answers. It encourages our authentic engagement with God, which is the only way to be in relationship with him. Ultimately, lament exists to give voice to suffering, to reconcile us through it or despite it with the loving God who is our Father. If we insist all is fine and run away from our mourning, whatever the cause, we also run away from this reconciliation, from this healing, and the chasm will always exist, no matter how much we try to live as if it doesn't. It was only whilst writing this that I recognised such a chasm developing in my own life. I've had psoriasis for about 34 years now and I have prayed and I have received prayer for healing often. Likewise, I've cried out for healing from a hereditary lung condition. That healing hasn't come and I'm fine with that. I know that God loves me. But I realise that I don't pray for healing for myself or for others with quite the same readiness that I used to. Why? Because in truth I'm disappointed and my expectation has been dented as a consequence. And I now know that I need to step back into that gap and acknowledge that and ask God to speak into that disappointment. We should not think that lamenting shows a lack of faith in God. Without faith, it's impossible to lament. Belief in God's mercy, in his redemption, in his sovereignty is what creates it. Without hope in God's intervention and the conviction that he is all powerful, there would be no reason to lament when pain comes into our lives but neither should we expect it to be a quick fix for our problems because it often involves a journey. If we look at the story of Habakkuk in the Old Testament of the Bible, we can see that story paraphrased. Habakkuk was a man living in hard times and in the beginning of the, the book, he vents at God. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, destruction and violence before me? There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. But as he prayed that prayer and as he carried on praying, God heard him. Strangely, he didn't change his circumstances, but he began to work on Habakkuk's heart. By chapter three, we read, Lord, I have heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. He's moved from venting to a trust in God, which leads him to plea for intervention. God continues to work in Habakkuk and by the end of that chapter we read though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vine 
though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The gap had been filled because God had heard his cry. When I stood in that gap after my miscarriages, God didn't change my circumstances right away. But I remember him sharing with me that he understood because every time somebody died without putting their trust in him, he felt that same pain of having life stolen away. And it was that understanding that rebirthed my trust, which in turn enabled me to worship him in the midst of my own pain. Sometimes we lament our own circumstances. Just as often we will lament on behalf of those that we love who are in pain. But sometimes we are called to lament as a community. And I truly believe that this is one of those times. If the church is to avoid falling into the gap of giving the world trite answers and platitudes over the corona crisis, if you and I are to avoid giving those same answers to our family and friends and work colleagues, then we must venture into the gap. We must acknowledge the pain that has flooded our world and we must ask God for his answers. Like Jeremiah, we must weep for our nation and yet reach out in faith for a reaffirmation of God's promises as we remember the cross of Jesus. It is here that God has already proven he is for us and not against us. So how do we lament well? Let's look at Psalm 13 together. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will replace him when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. The first step in lament is one we might overlook because it's so obvious, and that is to turn to God. That in itself is a step of faith because it acknowledges that we don't have the answers. The psalmist here cries, how long, Lord? And we too come before God unpolished and just as we are, with tears streaming if necessary. There is no room for pretense in lament. We bring the unvarnished reality of our situations before God. We voice our complaint. How long will my enemy triumph over me, cries this psalmist. Our 
complaint becomes a cry for help because we know we are dressing the one who can change things. We ask God to heal us, to rescue us. We ask him for whatever it is that we need. We cry out with hope and expectation. Look to me and answer, Lord my God. And we remember that God is trustworthy, that we matter and that we are loved. But I trust in your unfailing love, says verse 5. The Jewish writer of the Psalms would have looked to the Exodus story for that reassurance, whilst as Christians we look to the cross. We are brought to a place of praise and thanksgiving as we remember all that God has done for us already. And we repeat this process again and again until we have his peace. It's not a formula. We don't pray it by rote. But we can use this psalm and the others like it to guide us through the process of lament. Find a quiet place with God and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. He will open up your heart to God. This is not an endeavour for when you're in a hurry. Set aside space and time to be still in God's presence. Maybe note down the difficulties and the challenges you're facing or the pain and grief that you've buried and bring it before God. If you don't know how to start, maybe put your situations into a psalm and pray those back to God or write your own psalm following the same format. Maybe next time you go for a walk around your neighbourhood, pray and ask God to show you the the pain and suffering going on in your community and then lift that back to God and ask him to fulfill his promises in their midst. And remember that whilst we now live in a time for lament, Revelation tells us that there is a coming time when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away. Thank you.